Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my always amazing, very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And tonight we got with us Patrick O'Hearn, author, all-around good guy. We'll break down his bio in just a moment. But we want to thank you all for joining us. And, of course, everything begins with prayer and the good Padre. We always divert that to your expertise. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you, as always, Father, for that. And we want to thank all of you out there who support the U.S. Grace Force podcast. We are beyond thankful to everybody's prayers your comments your encouragement those of you who support us through the patreon program also is a tremendous help for those of you who are interested in praying for us just please tuck us into your rosaries keep us in your moments of adoration your mass intentions are always very helpful as well again we cannot thank you enough for that especially in these times but for those of you who support us through the patreon program again thank you and for those of you who would like to do that click the link in the description below I always say a few dollars from a lot of people goes a long way to help us reach many lives and many souls. And especially with the amount of time that we have, you helping to provide the resource to be able to get that word out, again, is just a phenomenal thing. And it helps us do exactly what we're doing right at this moment. So we want to thank you for that. Please click that link if you're interested in helping us out through Patreon. Also, don't forget to check out Always a Kid, a great YouTube channel, I should say, that my son and his family have started. Great way to remind us of the joy, the fun, the excitement of just being innocent. The innocence that God does want us to hang on to, especially in a world that's crazy. And we're dealing with, as the title says tonight, the infernal enemy. And we don't want to lose that innocence as the infernal enemy is always trying to rip us apart from innocence. And that's a very, very true thing to say. And Patrick, we're thrilled that you're with us to help talk about that and more and what this one thing is that can really help us battle this infernal enemy and those words are not my words infernal enemy come from the words of our those are the words of our blessed mother directly but before we get into that thanks for being with us how you doing i'm good it's it's an honor to be here i was i was telling father before the show you know i have my this was a father's day gift i asked my wife for many hey. years ago that the combat rosary nice and, uh, just, what a uh, great wife wow <laughs> she isn't she's from wisconsin too father so, oh well then she's amazing there you go. There you go. Yeah. And and I assume that a Packer fan, Patrick, is she? She, you know, it's funny. She doesn't really like sports, but her thought, my oh. father-in-law and all of my, uh, my, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they're huge Packers fans, but my son's a huge Packers fan and I, I like the Packers too. Yeah. It's kind of a, a, we don't want to say requirement to be a guest on this show, but yeah, it, it helps if you're a Packer fan. I can't say everybody who's been on the show is a Packer fan, but I think it makes father a lot happier. Right. <laughs> so a little bit about yourself you are you're you're an author you're you work for tan books you you now have written a great book a children's book we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight uh for uh sophia press and uh but you've got other other projects in the works and other things that you do uh, tell us a little bit about yourself what you're what you're doing with your life right now yeah so uh, i'm a husband and father you know we have two children on earth and two in heaven mm. And I'll be married 10 years to my beautiful wife, Amanda, and uh, kind of the Holy Spirit's kind of taking me on, you know, different uh, different roads. And uh, so right now I'm currently, I work for Fazadi, a great Catholic marketing company as a 
content writer, do a lot of freelance editing. I love to write and uh, just that's uh, and I'm doing a pilgrimage to Ireland. So I'm kind of all over the place. I love to speak to uh, young adult groups uh, throughout the United States on uh, on courtship, which I've written a book before on. Nice. No, wait, you've written on courtship, you said? I have. I, I wrote a book for Tan called The Courtship of the Saints, How the Saints Met Their Spouses. Nice. No, it's really great. It's really great to have you with us, Patrick. And, uh, you know, we were really intrigued with your story, too. And and uh, uh, you actually were discerning to become a monk, maybe? or uh, Yeah. Uh, so tell us about that. So I did, you know, my whole uh, quest and, you know, college was to find my vocation. So I set off on different orders and actually got psychological testing from Father Benedict Rochelle, which is probably the scariest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And but those were all great experiences. I ended up joining a Benedictine monastery for about three years. And, you know, I thought that was my calling. And, you know, due to, um, as we know, corruption in the church and disordered desires, uh, you know, some people in authority ended up trying to come after me. And so uh, I'm thankful that Our Lady, you know, she protected me and and eventually God led me to my true vocation in uh, marriage. But I did, I wrote an article on it in the National Catholic Register at, you know, the day that I left, October 4th, 2010. I, I really felt uh, Our Blessed Mother's presence in my monastic cell. And she was, you know, I didn't see her, but I felt her there. It was the most peace I'd ever had in my life and, and even to this day. And uh, just, and I, I attribute that to just, what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, a certain devotion and, and just, just loving her. You know, I feel like she's protected me from just so many evils. And uh, that's why, you know, I've written this children's book for Sophia as a, as a way to give back to her and spread devotion to her. Well, and on that, on that point, this is something, I mean, the audience might be wondering, what is the one thing that helps us in this battle against the infernal enemy? And, you know, we could sum it up in simply a, a, a very intimate, personal and we are as serious as a heart attack about this relationship with the Blessed Mother. And in particular, we wanted to focus on, because of the book that you just wrote, mm -hmm. um, on devotion to her through Our Lady of Sorrows, the Seven Sorrows. Um, now, this is something where, you know, we had Father Chad Ripperger on, and, and he he helped you with this book. I mean, he wrote the foreword and wrote some prayers for it. Tell us how Father Ripperger has, has been part of this project. And Father Ripperger has... He is, this, I think, the strongest devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows of you know that's out there, and I know there's other priests too as well, and different saints, Saint Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. But Father Rippinger, it's it's you know he preaches on her, and uh, when I saw that, I just I felt like Our Lady's like get him involved in the book. And when I used to work at Tan, you know, I was you know communicated with him quite a bit. I was actually trying to get him to do a book for Tan. I I would pitch him ideas. I'm like, hey, Father, you want to write this book? And he's like, I'm too busy doing exorcisms. So yeah. I, he had a good excuse, a good reason. And so I wanted him to be a part of this. And so he he was gracious enough to write the foreword for this book, uh, Devotion to Our Lady, of, Our Lady of Sorrows. And then I asked him, you know, I love his book, um, Deliverance Prayers for the Laity. It's, you know, I, there's a prayer in there. I pray every day. It's a consecration prayer to Mary to protect your goods, um, you know, your health, your family. And so I asked him, I was like, can you, could you consider writing four prayers for children? And so he did. He he wrote sh four short prayers. One is a prayer for your children's vocation, a prayer for protection, a prayer uh, to Mary, and then a prayer for nightly gratitude and also protection from demons, you know, when they go to sleep. So these are spiritual warfare prayers that little children can pray. Um, and again, I'm just, I was just honored to have him be a part of this book. 
You know, we've, uh, like you see, we, we've had him on quite a bit, and uh, I think he's one of the most trusted figures. Uh, you can tell that just by listening to him, and his teachings are just incredible, compelling. It draws you right in. Uh, if anybody's listening has not uh, experienced that, you can easily find him on the internet, and please do. Uh, he also was uh, helping me with, um, when I developed the, uh, the Seven Sorrows Rosary, but in, in the form of the combat rosary you know so pull chain and that just came out a few months ago so but uh anyway the, but the seven sorrows i was just listening to him uh i think it was yesterday uh, and something I, I stumbled across him on the internet and here we are talking about it but uh he he was uh oh yeah i think it was instagram or something you know how that comes up in your feed anyways so he's talking about how he discovered and he's an exorcist that if it's i don't know if he said it's the most a powerful form of protection, but probably one of the most. And that's when he kind of fell in love with the devotion himself and started, you know, encouraging people to embrace this uh, devotion, uh, the seven sorrows. But as a form of protection is is what he he emphasized. And uh, boy, don't we um, feel like we need that right now? You know, uh, Patrick, I'd love to get your take on... I'll put it this way. Why do we need protection right now? What's going on in the world? What? Well, how do you see it uh, in terms of what's coming at us? Or, or what, how do you feel about what's going on in the world right now? Yeah, it, it is. It's. I mean, we live in dark times, and but there's also a lot of hope. And that's when I listened to Father Rippinger's talk, and he gave it at New York City. He goes, this is the time that the saints like long to be alive. And so that should give us you know, we have all these graces from heaven. Heaven is pouring forth. You know, there's a renewal when I was at Tan, you know, I helped them with the book, The Secret of the Holy Face. Mm. And, uh, so like, there's these, these devotions that heaven is calling upon us to pray. And so, you know, the darker the times, right? The brighter the stars. As, yeah, and it gets and, people to lean into these things, whereas I think we've been weak before and kind of dismissed them, right? And we just, definitely. yeah. And so we're tapping into these. But go yeah. ahead. Yeah, no, I I see, you know, I mean, we look at, you know, you look at the the time when John Paul II was, you know, grew up, I mean, with the Nazis and all, you know, and the wars going on, they probably thought the world was going to end there. And, you know, and that raised him up. I wonder if, you know, John Paul II, if he was born today, you know, like, or in a climate where there wasn't persecution, would he have been that courageous leader? And so that's why I see these times are really dark. But at the same time, I think that God is, he's using this to to raise up saints and to call us to our lady to call us to be to vigilance and you know because we don't know the hour when christ is going to come again or you know when disaster is going to come but we must be ready you know as doug reaches this battle ready you know every day you wake up should treat it you know i always say you know the priest says right celebrate every mass as if it's your first your last and your only mass and i think lay catholics need to have the same mindset you know you go to confession today since this is your last confession you receive jesus in the eucharist since this is your last confession, you pray this rosary as if it's your last. And that that brings this meaning that's like, you know, you're not like, oh, I mean, there, distractions come, but it means that everything we do is, you know, it, it has value in it and we have to be ready. Yeah, and that's something I would agree with. We wake up every morning, we have to have that kind of battle-ready mindset. Um, and I just is something I it, I've struggled with over the years. I grew up Catholic. I, I joke around about myself. I don't have a great conversion story like a Scott Hahn or a Steve Ray. I mean, I've spoken at conferences and parish missions for 33, 34 years. 
and I still go out and speak publicly quite a bit. And, you know, I can go to some conferences and someone like Scott Hahn's there and he's got a great conversion story. You know, his, his goal was to, you know, save Catholics from the Catholic faith. Um, big conversion. Now he's one of the most prominent scripture scholars in the Catholic faith. Okay. You've got Steve Ray, same idea as a teenager, just abandoned the, you know, the whole nine yards, you know, the band of God, everything. And now he's, He's known as Jerusalem Jones with all his, you know, millions of miles of flying and traveling over to the Holy Land. I'm a clock in, clock out Catholic. You know, I was born and raised Catholic, really didn't take my faith that seriously. And so the idea of hearing things like devotion, pray a devotion, pray the rosary as a devotion was very foreign to me and very, how should I put it, not very interesting, was not very exciting. And I'm sure some in the audience can get that you know a lot of us go through those moments where yeah okay these devotional things that's really great that's what my grandma does my grandma prays the rosary you know a friend of mine would say that he grew up hearing that the rosary was only prayed you know at funerals and by old people and that was it and so the idea of praying the rosary on a regular basis for anybody any devotion like the rosary or the seven sorrows devotion is really a very foreign thing now the fact that you have written Patrick, a book for children. And what I like about this, and you know, you sent me the PDF and I'm scrolling through it over here. And I was looking at it earlier after you sent it to me. Um, this is a devotional booklet for a book for children. It's 50 some pages. I mean, break it down a little bit and really why this is so important, because I would, I would, I would challenge the audience right now not to look at this as just a devotion for kids. Oh, let's get the kids praying a nice little Catholic prayer book. No, this is something that will wake up the adult faith as well, because you're focusing on one of the most powerful devotions out there to deal with the nefarious, diabolical enemies that seek to destroy us, the infernal enemy. And you've written it in such a simple way. The illustrations are beautiful on here. They're very, very inspiring. They're, they're, they bring a sense of something in us that God wants us to have, and that's an appreciation for beauty. There's so much ugliness in the world and so much cheap art, so to speak, if you want to call it art. This book has a beauty to it, but it's a devotional thing. It's to teach children how to have a devotional life. Break that down, what the book's about, why you did it in, in, the, in the fashion that you did, and really what your what your aim is with this book. Yeah. So, so I open it up with, um, first of all, I'd state the seven promises of praying this, just so people are aware. You know, those promises were given to uh, St. Bridget, you know, in the 14th century by Our Lady. And that that one of the promises that we that were going with the show is, says, if promises, I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy, and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. And so I wanted to highlight that first. And then I go into each sorrow. So we start, there's a, actually a sword that pierces Mary's heart, the first sword. And then there's flowers that are associated with, you know, Mary's passion. And so you'll see that image and then we'll go into the reflection of each. So a biblical reflection where that sorrow comes from, because these sorrows aren't just, I mean, they're not just tradition, they're in the Bible. And so, I mean, part, which is part of tradition, right? But so there's a scripture reflection. And then we have Mary speaking to the child, you know, what she's going through in that sorrow. And then we have uh, the Hail Mary in English and Latin. So you can pray in either in English and Latin. And then there's a prayer to Mary asking for like that particular virtue of that, of that sorrow. And so we do that. I did that throughout all of the uh, seven sorrows. And so it's like you're walking through scripture, but then you're walking as if Mary's speaking to you. And, uh, and then I, after those seven sorrows, I have a litany 
of the Seven Sorrows by, um, I think it's, is it it's Pius the Seventh, Pope, our servant of God, Pius the Seventh. And then um, I have the Latin and English prayers, some of the traditional prayers in Latin and English, you know, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, St. Michael prayer. And then we conclude it with uh, the four prayers by Father Rippinger. But it really is, it's like Mary walking you to Calvary for adults and children. I love that you add the Latin in there. I, I think a lot of people might jump to the conclusion, oh, that's way over our head for our children, though, blah, 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 blah. And uh, it made me think of, I remember one day I clicked on social media and there was this beautiful video and it was of a family that I'm very close to and they have a Down syndrome son. And he couldn't have been more than six or seven years old. And uh, he's leading the family rosary in Latin. Mm. Down syndrome, <laughs> you know. Ave Maria, gratia plena. It was the most beautiful thing you ever saw in your life. So I please, parents, um, don't don't think that it's it's uh, beyond your children or anything like that. And mm. and actually, too, uh, I've my experience has been when children discover something, you know, it's like a brand new toy. Like when they discover Latin for them, it's just it's very uh, cool for them to 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 do that and to get into that. So. So I just wanted to say that first, but um, you know, uh, what's the message that you're trying to send then, Patrick? Uh, why um, the uh, Seven Sorrows Rosary? Um, why, why, why should children pray this? Yeah, I, I think children they should pray this because you know, we in a sense as parents, I mean, you talk about the times we're preparing them for in a sense our children for martyrdom, like to be, to be ready to, to be able to handle suffering well. And often it's like, we think that they're too little to understand these mysteries of Christ. So, you know, we give them fluff children's books that are just the happy, you know, the happy Jesus and all this stuff. It's really, I think when they see this, this book, my hope is that they will want to console uh, Mary's heart. They will want to take her as their mother and, um, you know, even even the images I wanted the artist, you know, not to shy away. I didn't want to make it like, I mean, we do know, if, I mean, if we saw an image of the crucifix with all the blood on it, I mean, like, you know, you see those, the Spanish crosses or, or down in South America, they're just covered in blood. I mean, that, that could be overwhelming for a child to see that. But I did have the artist, I said, don't shy away from painting Christ. So she did. I mean, you'll see a lot of the marks on his body. And again, even as Father Rippinger said, children have this sense of compassion and suffering, you know, when one of their peers suffers or they reach out to them. So I think my hope in this book is, again, to to prepare them uh, to not be afraid to suffer and to suffer for Christ. And also just to take Mary as as their mother under this title of Our Lady of Sorrows, like she wants to to protect them. And I think these, by praying, it's a simple devotion, you know, praying seven Hail Marys a day, you know, I think, you know, takes, you know, two less than two minutes, right? And, and that devotion, Mary, one of her promises says, I will, I will stand, I will be with them at the moment of death. They will see my face. I can't think of a more glorious face that I want to see at the moment of death than Our Lady. Yeah, you know, this makes me think a lot about, you know, my upbringing as a Catholic. And, and I, I've talked a lot about this, you know, in different places that I've spoken that, you know, when you're, when you're young and you grow up and someone gives you a little devotional booklet or a prayer booklet, you know, especially when I was, you know, junior high, high school, I had a drawer. I think a lot of people have a drawer and it's the drawer that they keep a lot of the religious items in that grandma, grandpa, or uncle, or someone gave them, you know, you don't want to throw it away because it came from your grandma. So whether it's a scapular rosary prayer book, a nice little prayer card, 
Someone gives you a prayer card and says, now you pray this prayer every day to this saint and it'll help save your soul. Okay, great. Thank you, Grandma. I appreciate that. Open the drawer, put it in the drawer, close the drawer. You know, this is a type of thing I think a lot of us grow up with where, where we have a, a, a very serious underappreciation for these devotions and why they're so important. And yet every single one of us out there without fail wants to know that someone has a devoted love to us even. You know, husband, wife, children want to know, you know, whether they think about it consciously or not, they want to know that their parents are devoted in the way they behave towards them with care and love and so forth. You know, parents want to know, especially as we get older, that our kids have a devoted love to the family and their siblings. I mean, I I ask my kids, please take care of each other, nurture the relationship with you and your siblings, because that kind of devotion of, of appreciation for your family, you're going to love and need, and it's going to serve you well in the future. So we all want devotion is my point. And yet this is something that you're, you, you've written here in this book is the need for us to have a devotion, a devoted love to God and especially Our Lady. Um, Patrick, there's, there's so much about the Blessed Mother's role and why we ha should have a devotion to her, not just a familiarity. Yeah, I know who she is. She's the mother of Jesus. You know, and yeah, that rosary, I hear it being recited when I come into Mass. You know, I catch usually the last decade or two if I get there five minutes before Mass. But we should have a devotion on our own to be praying the rosary every day. Something such as the Seven Sorrows devotion. Why is devotion to Mary? What is her role? Why? I mean, this goes back to Genesis 3.15, crushing at the head of the serpent. And these promises, I'm looking at them, this is something we can't forget. Just the first one alone, I will grant peace to their families. What family doesn't want peace? Especially and you know, we now. think we're going to get peace from what? This, that, and the other. Get peace from God. I'm sorry, Father, what did you say in there? I just want especially now. Oh, Ooh. absolutely. Yeah. Everything is upside down. It's crazy right now. Yeah. So, you know, Patrick, a little bit about why devotion to Mary, what her role is, why the demons fear her so much. And why it is absolutely essential that we nurture a devotion, a devoted love to our Blessed Mother. I mean, you cannot, I mean, no one can love Jesus as much as Mary. I think one of the saints said that. So we should never be afraid of loving, you know, Mary too much. And I mean, she leads us to Christ. I mean, she's the exemplar of all virtue. And I think I mean, one of the things we don't pray enough is for virtue, you know, we don't ask her. I mean, when was the last time we asked Mary for the virtue of her humility? I mean, you got to be careful when you ask for that because you're, but in the virtue of fortitude for her yeah. to stand at, for her to stand at the foot of the cross with, with Jesus is and father Rippinger mentions that like that was her greatest moment. Like when she was standing there. And I often ponder this, that I, I really believe this. If St. Joseph was alive and he was at the foot of the cross, he would have died there because he would have been, he could not console you know, he would be trying to console his wife at the same time as his son. But I think Mary, she was strong. She had this, you know, and women can, for some reason, even it's in their bodies, they can handle suffering. I mean, that's why God allows them to give birth, right? They can handle suffering better than men. And so we need to look to Mary as this example of, of fortitude in the midst of suffering. And uh, I think that's, that's why she's so important because there's so many things in life, even, even receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, you know, I was working with father and I'm father Calloway on his book on St. Peter Amar. And I'm, I'm glad you had him on. And one thing father talks about is even receiving the Eucharist. Like we don't pray to Mary to like, Mary, help me to have a worthy reception of Jesus. And so we always, everything we do should be to go to Mary because she perfects everything. And so that's why devotion and 
is so important um, to yeah. love Jesus as she loved him. Peter, the title of our podcast today is uh, This Will Protect You from the Infernal Enemy. Uh, when did we hear those words, infernal enemy? And what's the this specifically that will protect us from the infernal enemy? So when did she say infernal enemy? Yeah, that, that was in when Our Lady appeared to St. Bridget, you know, in the 14th century. In those four, in the seven promises, she says, you know, I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy, and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. So that was the one of the promises to St. Bridget. And, to, and to, to uphold that promise, you know, at the very least, we need to pray seven Hail Marys. And, you know, it could be as simple as you just say, you know, the first sorrow of Our Lady, you know, the prophecy of Simeon, then you do a Hail Mary. Tell us about and it, seven Hail Marys. Where does that come from? Oh, so the seven Hail Marys, I think that even dates back to um, the time of the Servite order. So there was this order in the 12th century. There were seven men and they were praying in Florence and Our Lady called them to a, a monastic order and they were all, they all became canonized. And I think in the late uh, 18th century, 19th century, but I think that that whole seven Hail Marys was around that same time period with the uh, Servites and then St. Bridget. Now, when it comes to, um, you know, Father's other part of that question about this is what will protect you from the infernal enemy, how would you isolate the this? Is it specifically devotion to Mary? Is it this particular devotion to the seven sorrows? What would you say about that? I would say it's, I mean, above all, devotion to Our Lady, but I do think that this devotion under the title of Our Lady of Sorrows, under the supreme, either the seven Hail Marys or even praying as father, that, that rosary combat, you know, that was another message in Our Lady of Kibaho, an approved apparition in Rwanda. She asked for devotion to Our Lady of Sorrow. So heaven is calling for these devotions. And so I think under the title of Our Lady of Sorrows is, as Father Rippinger would say, it's probably one of the most, or if not the most powerful title of Mary. So having devotion to her under that title, praying seven Hail Marys, I think is this, that is what will protect us from uh, the enemy. Obviously, praying the rosary gives you protection too, but according to St. Bridget, this devotion, will Mary will protect you at every moment of your life if you're devoted to uh, this title. It just can you seems like these times that we're living in right now, you know, Mary's been appearing more mm -hmm. over the last, what, 100, 150 years, and then revealing these devotions. And I would even say, you know, the rosary obviously is the one we have to cling to. But I would say the seven sorrows, uh, there's so much that's being revealed to us as saying for 2024 or these years that we're living in right now, that it's an important devotion. And again, uh, as Father Ripperger says, it brings protection. I think we're all looking for protection right now. Um, you know, it's not like comets are coming, right, Doug? Uh, but, <laughs> oh, I would but, never say that. But there does seem like there's this aggressive evil infiltration right now, yeah. and people are on edge, and and uh, and they are looking around. And and again, if you could say something positive about that, which we we do, and the hopeful thing about that is, again, I believe evil is advancing, like the Battle of Lepanto, where the Turks said, okay, they're weak enough now that we can come in and take over. I believe that's what we're living in right now. Took a hundred years for Satan to weaken us, and then the hundred years came up, and let's and then it's go time for the pseudo Ottoman Turks of our time 
that are coming in and very aggressively coming after us. And here's what I'll say is that I think God allows that for so that we stop being weak. <laughs> we start getting strong and we start doing things the way that God wants us to do instead of, like you said, Doug, so many of us can can very easily get into that punch the clock, kind of, mm -hmm. if that at all, you know, uh, or we can, you know, uh, it just seems like we've got part of the weakening too has been weakening the liturgy, you know, so you come and, you know, it's just kind of relax and let's get to know each other. Let's hold hands. You know what I'm saying? There's no sense of power. And that's what I was thinking about too, when you were talking about this uh, book for the children, I think if there's anything that parents can do to help their children with their faith is to help them to draw into the power of God and one of the great ways to do that is to share stories. You know, here's how, through you know, here's here's a miracle happened at this time. Here's what happened over here. And uh, but to but to help the kids to believe. See, I think that's what faith actually means. You know, you could be faith, and that can be an empty religiosity. But no, real faith is a belief in the supernatural power of God. And so I just I don't know. I I, I think. These times, particularly that we're living in right now, where it seems evil is doing the Ottoman Turk thing, um, that we we it's time for us to get strong. It's time for us to say yes to what's been revealed to us. These beautiful devotions, and and um, I'd like your response to this, if you would, Patrick. Um, I oftentimes equate these devotions to uh, what Adam and Eve were asked to do in the Garden of Eden. Hey, you can have this old garden, but you can't eat from that tree over there. Now, someone from the outside will look at that story and go, though, that's kind of ridiculous. You know, it's, it, it, and, and, and again, I think that's what devotions can be for people that, and I think that's precisely what, how God challenges us. You know, are you willing to do, and I, I, I repeat this quite often because I, I think it's such an important um, way to understand devotions is, are you willing to do what the world finds ridiculous? Hmm. And, and so it's it, it's a way for us to humble ourselves. And we see like you know, you're twiddling you know, or seven Hail Marys. Why not eight? Why not six? You know, and to the world they they would say that, right? So, uh, Patrick, I'd like to get your opinion on that. Um, why why these and why at this time? What why why these uh, as the world sees it? Are, is God revealing through Our Lady um, that He wants us to do it this way right now in these times? I was actually reflecting on that insight came at, at Mass today as I was preparing, you know, to be, I was excited to be on your show. And, you know, notice there's seven swords, seven is perfection. You know, Mary has suffered perfectly. And we talk about the rosary, right? Often people equate the rosary with a sword, right? And I think not only are the swords coming into Mary's heart, but I think. They're also, she takes those swords out of her heart and fights for us with mm -hmm. those swords. And that's where I think seven, you know, just the simple seven Hail Marys is the key in this time to, you know, obviously to, to ready ourselves for the suffering that's coming, but also not to be afraid of it, you know, that she's going to stand by us at that moment. Like if you knew, you know, uh, I think Father Crappie, I still love him growing up. He's like, yo, mama wears combat boots, yeah. you know, and, and and Mary is, she's the 12 star general and she carries these seven swords and, and not again, I never thought about, I mean, they're piercing her, 
But at the same time, I think that she takes them out and she fights for us. Patrick, I'm curious if you could uh, break down for everybody. First, let's let's establish this for anybody interested. This book, at the time we record this on uh, in February, February 5th here, uh, is comes out on the 20th, I believe, from Sophia Institute Press. Uh, link in the description for everybody to go out there. You can pre-order it right now, but this book is going to be out in the next couple of weeks uh, from the time we record this. And we want you to just go out there and get this. This is a great approach to not just your kids. This is going to help a lot of adults. If adults are sitting down and they're reading this with their kids, I, we homeschooled our five kids. I mean, there are things I learned about my faith just because I was teaching my kids, you know, homeschooling them. Uh, even if you're not even homeschooling, you you should be teaching them the faith. Don't, as parents, we can't divert the teaching of the faith off to somebody else. It's predominantly us as parents. We're the primary teachers, especially when it comes to the faith. But when it comes to really with, with, with this particular devotion, can you break down in detail for us what what the real, what's the minimum to be involved in this devotion? And then what's kind of the maximum way of praying yeah. this devotion? Yeah. So the minimum would be, you know, praying, you know, recall, you, you would say each of the seven sorrows, you know, and they're in my book. And then after each one of them, you know, to, to say hail Mary. And so that would be, you know, the minimum seven hail Marys, you know, so the prophecy of Simeon, then you go on the flight into Egypt, the loss of the child, Jesus in the temple, uh, Mary meets Jesus on the way to Calvary is the fourth sorrow. The fifth is the crucifixion. The sixth is, you know, Jesus is placed in the arms of Mary. And then the seventh is the burial of Jesus. So I just say those out loud. And then after each one, I say, Hail Mary. So I would okay. say that's the minimum. Okay. So that, now you're talking about a lot of time investment here. That's that's going to take a long time <laughs> to recite a sorrow and pray a Hail Mary. I, I don't know. that. I don't know if we have time you're for asking that. asking a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of, that you're asking a lot yeah <laughs> all right a little facetious there folks yeah. let's let's not be you know sissies about this let's don't be yeah. so wussified as catholics let's get in there and do this yeah i mean so sure. when you pray those seven hail marys like say i'm powerful you know put yourself yeah. in the scene and i would say the extreme not the extreme but the goal is uh you know obviously that and check out father has those our lady of you know the rosary the, sorry, Our Lady of how do you, Our Lady of Sorrows Rosary, mm -hmm. which Our Lady in Cabejo, she asked um, the visionaries to pray it on Tuesdays and Fridays. So you could get to that point, you know, started off saying that once or twice a week, and then maybe you know you have time to say it, you know, uh, every day. But I would say that that would be uh, kind of going doing both. I would still recommend if you do, you know, obviously if you're doing the Rosary, you probably don't need the seven Hail Marys because that's that's taking. You know, when you pray the rosary, you're doing one hour father and then you're doing seven Hail Marys. So that's kind of so you'd be doing 49 Hail Marys. One hour father, one Hail Mary per oh, sorrow. Per yeah. sorrow. That's for the, the minimum. And then for the, right. the maximum would be when you do the rosary would be doing um, an hour father and then seven Hail Marys. Right. And, and father, you you're do you have that on hand right now or? We can get a picture I up here on the screen. I don't think I do. That's I right. We'll, we'll get the picture here up on the screen for people to see. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. We'll do that. I was going to mention one other thing. You know that I failed to mention is you know, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was praying at an abortion clinic outside Planned Parenthood in New York City, and just the vileness that people were saying Mary's name and Jesus's name, and you know, people think in Catholic worlds like you know Mary's love, but she's hated by the world. That's why her images are desecrated. And I started to cry when I saw these people mock Mary's name. And so when you pray these seven Hail Marys, you are consoling the heart of Mary. And when you console the heart of Mary, you console the heart of Jesus. So that's why this devotion is, I would say it's, 
probably one of the not only power protection against you, but like when you console Mary, in turn, she's going to console you in your sorrow. So that's why. And then she'll console Jesus. So, again, that's another reason why this devotion is, is just so critical. Right. I love the idea of giving a simple option because I think some people mm-hmm. won't pray a rosary at all because, oh, it's 50 Hail Marys or the Seven Sorrows Rosary uh, because, gee, I don't have time and I've got to go to the store. Blah, blah. But, you know, you can pop off Seven Hail Marys just about anywhere you're at. It's pretty, yeah. I think of driving. A lot of people say, oh, it's not reverent enough for when you're driving. No, I, th- I think it is a, a great time. You're stopped. You know, and and what else you got to do? You got to watch the road, obviously. But uh, but I, I think that's uh, or going for a walk or whatever. But uh, my my favorite time is I try to get up as early as I can in the morning, and that's just the time where, you know, the emails and the phones are going off and and uh, the doors and not ringing. And but anyways, um, you know, I I just encourage people try to. Uh, I happen to be a morning person. If you're not a morning person, maybe it's maybe it's uh, not a good idea. But I, I I happen to be a morning person. I'm I especially if you get that cup of coffee, it's just like okay, it's go time, and I'm most alert and I want to give everything. And Mary is uh, so much a part of my my prayer life, and I really encourage it for other people too. And again, you know, it's it's Jesus's mom, and we're we're we're. Uh, we're giving attention to, and we're accepting the, the precious, beautiful gift of a mother's tender love. You know that you think of mothers; they're, they're tender. And uh, so, anyways, I. But where I was going with that is that I just think that um, if we can have that in our prayer life, where it's not just like I said in the morning for me, but it just. Every once in a while, uh, it'll trigger my brain. Oh, it's a good time to pray, and it happens to be a between things, and and that's when uh, I go into that. And to just do it throughout the day like that um, is so important. But uh, again, Patrick, thank you for that great idea about this mm-hmm. the seven Hail yeah. Marys. And and I think what I'm saying too to people who are watching, listening, is that uh, don't feel bad if. I'm just doing seven Hail Marys and it's not enough. Uh, certainly you don't want that to be the only thing you do. I mean, when you can do a full rosary or a full seven sorrows rosary, you know, go, please, please do it. But, but don't not do anything because all of it's too much when I got to get going. And uh, well, Father, I'd chime in here. I would say something when you talk about praying yeah. when you're driving and some people say, well, you can't be devo-. Look, any of us who've ever driven down the road with someone in the car, or if you're on the phone and, you know, you shouldn't be right. holding on to the phone, but if you got a hands-free device, okay. Right. But we have all been able to have meaningful conversations with someone while we're driving, whether yeah, it's on the phone. you're stuck together. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the car with somebody, so you can talk to them. I could be yeah. driving down the road and not looking at the passenger, but right. still have a conversation with them. Exactly. And, and ultimately, we're talking about not here. distracting is, to talk to someone that's in the car with you. Exactly. You right. can have meaningful conversation. And that's really what prayer ultimately is. And I think, Patrick, and that's kind of seems to be what you were saying about, you know, you can say one devout Hail Mary as opposed to a whole rosary that's not paying attention. You're not. You're just kind of going through motions and checking boxes. It's like exercise. I mean, if I'm working out, I'm, you know, I work out regularly. And if I'm just doing, I when I help train people to work out, to lift weights, I tell them, if you're going to do the repetitions, if you're going to do reps just to get your set in, I need to do 10 reps, eight reps, whatever, 
and I'm just doing the numbers. Therefore, I can say I did the numbers. That's not a meaningful set. You want to do a set of eight or 10 or whatever repetitions and make the reps count. So you do them with a certain form and style and intensity to make them actually beneficial. Otherwise, why do it? Same with prayer, kind of, in a way, is I don't want to just go through motions. I want to be meaningful in my conversation. Father, that sounds like that's kind of where you were going with that. Is that? Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, Patrick, I'm curious, have you written any other books that we might want to talk about? Like one about something that happened in Wisconsin where Father is? I would. I actually, Sophia <laughs> book, I don't have a copy for, but I do have... Um, Go and Fear Nothing, the story of Our Lady of Champion. And I'm drawn to this. You know, Wisconsin is, you know, this whole message is basically it's Fatima. This was, this happened, I think it was less than two years after Lord's happened. But Our Lady is calling for, you know, conversion of sinners. I mean, she said, pray for the conversion of sinners or else I will punish them <laughs> and teach the children the catechism. So uh, this was a book that was on my heart because uh, my wife's from Wisconsin. And uh, I just, you know, I just have this great love for Our Lady, and I feel like she's calling through her messages. And I, I showed Father earlier on the show uh, one of the images that I love of this of this priest hearing a. And these are all watercolor images, but they're just amazing. And then you have uh, Our Lady there. So that's beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful illustration. There's no question. Yeah. 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 So and wh wh why that particular apparition though? Why why is that so meaningful yeah, to you? That one is meaningful. Obviously, my wife being from Wisconsin, and it's the only approved apparition in the United States. You know, often people they know about Lords Fatima, but here in Wisconsin, I mean, we have uh, there's there's countless miracles are happening even today at that place. Miracles. I've I've talked to many people that have had uh, conversion spiritual conversions that have gone there, spiritual healings, and it's a simple shrine. You know. You'd think like in Wisconsin, Our Lady's like, build me, um, build me a basilica like she did in the other places. But, you know, maybe maybe Our Lady didn't want it to rival Lambeau Field. Right, Father? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think it's just a simple it's a very simple shrine. But you go there, you can just tell like this is, you know, this is Our Lady's been there. There's a piece that's there. And so uh, that's why I wanted to write this book to, to put to help people realize like in our backyards, we have Fatima and uh go check it out. And the, and the messages are so powerful. And I do think that Sister Adele will be a canonized saint someday. I think that's going to slowly unfold. I mean, she had, she was blind in her one eye and she would go out and journey in the, the Wisconsin winters, which are no joke for 50 miles preaching, you know, preaching the, you know, the faith to people. And, uh, but the most important message I think is, which our lady said to her, go and fear nothing. I will help you. And I think in these times when our children you know, they, they grow up with this lot of fear, you know, obviously with all they, they've seen the masks and all this stuff. It's like, you know, our lady's saying, fear nothing, you know, I'm with you. So that, I think that's, that, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book. So. Yeah. I, I love the name, obviously. Um, I, I think it should be the never forget love shrine or, or, or I mean, no, you're never not referring. Forget, you're not referring no, to the Green no, Bay no, quarterback, not, not, are you? Wait, wait, wait! It should be never forget love, champion. Ah, there you go. Okay. Well, that makes then uh, the letters are NFL, the NFL champion shrine. <laughs> Come on, the never forget. <laughs> oh, my brain! 
it's, had to work in some football. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, <laughs> no, it, 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 and then it was the Peshtigo fire, right, that broke out? Mm. And uh, that was shortly after she appeared, wasn't it? Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, that was – I have to look at the dates again, but I think you know, that was – a. I think it was like 20 or so years or right. I think it was 71 and the apparitions were, in, I want to say 59, 59. Yeah. So it was like about 12 years after. And that was the largest fire in the whole United States, deadliest United fire. States. And it, and it, it was like a all, million acres or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Million acres. And the only place that was left untouched was the shrine, yep. uh, the six mile acres and our, you know, and sister Adele was, she was older at the time, but they went, they did a procession all night. And I have images in the book of the paintings that they're, they're processing around praying the rosary. And so it really singing, is singing, singing hymns singing. to Mary. It's yeah. a message now. Like, I mean, if we, if there's, if God forbid it happens, but if we get attacked in the future, you know, if there's fires and all this deadly stuff, it's like, Go to go to the shrines of Mary. Yeah. She will protect you. And wasn't it uh, that they were singing and praying, and there's fire all around them, you know? And uh, but they were believing; they had faith. And all of a sudden, wasn't it a, a deluge started? Yeah. Uh, rain, uh, yeah. All this, and, yeah. The rain came, and it was and the yeah, anniversary that happened on October 9th, which was the second and third apparition. So that's why Our Lady of Champion, that feast day, it just became a solemnity in, in the Diocese of Green Bay for October 9th. Uh, yep. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to pull it up here to see, wasn't it the same time as the Mrs. O'Leary cow fire in, in Chicago? It was like the same same time frame, I think, that that happened. And and this was a worse fire than the O'Leary cow fire. Yeah. That's, cor that's correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's something, too, because I've been to the shrine several times, and and – it's uh, it's phenomenal because the fire burned right up to the fence, didn't it? And one side was burned and the other side was not. And it was a wooden fence. Wow. And it, and it stopped right on that side of the fence in some parts. They, they say that it was burned on one side, but not on the other. Wow. Um, so it, it's, it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal place. And you're right. It is not some big fancy sort of destination or shrine. It's very simple, very, very humble, but it's very, very powerful. It's very beautiful. The path that they marched is still up there, right? The the where they wa walked and prayed, walked and prayed. I actually had the great um, uh, opportunity to process our Lord on that same mm. path. I think it's like one point two miles or one point seven or something like that uh, to do that path. But that's where they walked and prayed. And if you ever go to their website, uh, our, uh, our Lady of Champion website, uh, you'll see the old pictures from the like the at least the early 1900s, if not the 1800s, mm -hmm. of people walking and praying, walking and praying in that place. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And like you say, people go there and they have an experience. You could just feel the presence of God, the presence of Our Lady uh, powerfully there. And and I've heard of many, many miracles, first and foremost, conversions, but you know, physical healings uh, for people. I, I've, I've had people that they drove up there and they got a bad diagnosis or whatever, and and all of a sudden they go back to the doctor and and uh, nothing's there, you know. So uh, there's a real power. That, and again, the, you're right. The only approved apparition in the entire in the United States is right there. And uh, um, fear where, not. Right? Where specifically is it for the audience? If we if we did, if we forgot to mention this, well, you could put a map up if you want to. But if you look at yep. Green Bay, Wisconsin, it's like what mostly north and a little bit east. I think mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and it's not all that far from Green Bay. Yeah. So, yeah. so so someone could make a pilgrimage to two two Lambeau holy sites Field. in Green yeah. Bay. Yeah, I I always called Lambeau Field the Holy Land. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father, in the summertime in in August, they have a they have a giant procession that goes from I believe from the uh, Saint Joseph Shrine mm -hmm. to um to Our Lady of Champion, which is isn't it? I forget how many miles it is, but people right. walk the whole day. Yep. So I, re I recommend going to Wisconsin in the summertime as opposed to the winter. Yeah. You'll get more, you get more grace probably yeah. if you go in the winter time because you're going <laughs> to suffer more. Yeah. And yeah. it's very beautiful up there, you know, Wisconsin in the summer and the fall. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's why she, she picked October 9th. I don't know what, I think the, the, <laughs> the, the leaves are at their peak colors right around then. So anyway, yeah. yeah I, I would say Patrick, I'd like to get your comment on this if we could. Um, you know, as Father mentioned earlier, I mean, the times that we're in, yes, we need peace, you know, that which is that first promise of the seven, you know, promises of Our Lady to St. Bridget. We, our families, you know, she promises peace. And and peace, you know, to be clear to the audience, peace does not necessarily mean the absence of conflict or the absence of, of frustration or suffering, but it is a sense of order. And this is something St. Augustine says, is that when you have order, especially God's order, you will have peace. If you have disorder, you will have chaos. And that's kind of the simplest way to put it. She promises peace. Even in the suffering, there will be, can be peace. And I think great point. I always comment said. too, the canon of the mass, just before the consecration, hmm. order yeah. our days in your peace, but go ahead. Yeah, I know you've commented on before, Father. I love yeah, that. Yeah. And now I think about that when I'm a mass and I hear that now. Yeah. Um, is it we we all long for that? We want the peace, we want order, we want that. We want our bodies to function the way God intended them to function, which is that's actually a statement out of one of St. Padre Pio's prayers, a healing prayer. He says, you know, Lord, that my body would function the way you want it to function. That means an ordered way, a peaceful way, the way it's designed. Um, so we we want to be free from sickness. We want to be free from conflict and chaos. We want the order and the peace. She promises she can bring that. She will crush the head of the serpent. But we have to cooperate with this. I mean, do we not, Patrick? I mean, it's important. I think people understand that it's not, I don't just, you know, have this, this statue, the Blessed Mother behind me. I have a votive candle burning. I light it every morning when I wake up and I blow it out at the end of the day. I have a box of these votive candles, and I just keep a, a candle burning in front of Our Lady all the time. But I know that the devotion to Mary that I strive for, that I try to nurture with praying the rosary, wearing a scapular, all these things, does not, does not rest just on me lighting a candle and praying a rosary. I have to choose to cooperate with the grace in order for that order to come into my life. So families we're, we're praying these devotions. We still need to behave in a way, change our behavior if we have to, amend our lives so that we can be cooperating with the order that does bring the peace. Um, and in these times, and Patrick, your comment maybe on what I just said, if you could, but also a follow-up is we're living in a time where we're hearing things like, you know, the World Economic Forum is getting really out of hand, or we're hearing about potential civil war in the U.S., World War III, all kinds of problems, Russia, Ukraine, Middle East, you name it. There's a lot of disorder, a lot of chaos, and a lot of fear and concern. I think your book on devotion to Our Lady, Seven Stars, is incredibly timely, especially to train our children in this, 
as we train the children, we adults will learn. We will absolutely benefit from this. There's no question about that. So people go out, click the link, go out, get this book and share it with others, get copies for others. But Patrick, your comment on the order and the peace part, and then also in the times that we're in and what's coming, because Father Ripperger has said on this podcast several times over the last year, we've had him on several times, we have not yet seen how bad things are going to get. Mm -hmm. We need to be, as he has said, we need to go from the foot soldier, the infantry, to the tier one special operations um, type soldier, and God will bring us to that if we cooperate with the process. Um, your thoughts on on yeah. those ideas? Yeah. Well, I think too that you know I go back to the Fatima message when she says, you know, in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph, but it, it requires cooperation. Like you know, we're in we're the foot soldiers. Our Lady's the twelve star general, so we need to fight with her every day. You know, fight with our weapons, which are the rosary, the seven sorrows, and I think the best way that we can be on our lady's side is through repentance. You know, this is what every message that she's given is repent, mm. repent. And so the less we sin, you know, every sin that we do goes out and it affects the world. Like that's why people think, I think people don't take sin as seriously because it's like, Oh, it's not a big deal. But like when you sin, it wounds the body of Christ. It causes damage. And I, and I did have in this go and fear nothing book, I was going to show you our lady. I mean, what she said is, I mean, her message is so phenomenal. And, uh, but she said, let me pull it here. Sorry. It, it, um, she said, you receive Holy Communion, but you must do more. Make a general confession and offer communion for the conversion of sinners. If they do not convert and, and do penance, my son will be obliged to punish them. And so it comes down to us offering, you know, often we go to Mass and it's like, how often do we offer our communion? for the conversion of sinners. Mm. And I, th I think that's that's just a message that if we want peace in the world, first of all, it starts in our hearts through our repentance, our living virtuous. But then we have to go another level and start offering, like during Lent, it's like, how many sinners can I bring back to the church through? My, let me offer up my fasting, my rosary for sinners. And so that's where I think uh, peace, it comes from from God to us and then it radiates to the world. I think we all need to embrace that and, and take it to heart. You know, there's so many families uh, talk about how certain family members have lost their faith. Mm -hmm. But it's not just, it's it, it, certainly we want them to get to heaven. We don't want them to go to hell. There, so there's that. But we're seeing their lives all disordered mm -hmm. and chaos, filled with chaos and sadness and and, uh, you know, it breaks your heart to see them, you know, uh, uh, falling apart before your eyes in this life. Now we, we can also talk about the next life, too. So it, it, then we ask ourselves, what can I do? What words can I speak that can convince them? Well, here, Our Lady just told us what to do. Repent personally, okay? You know, get, go to confession and... And wipe the slate clean, get that fresh start, and then offer your communions for the conversion of souls. And I think, too, you know, right in your mind, think, okay, this one's for Uncle Bob, you know, <laughs> or, or Aunt Teresa, or or Cousin It. I'm, no, I didn't mean that. But uh, th that you guys got that reference, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that, the Adams Family? Adams Family, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uncle Fester, right? Uncle <laughs> don't, forget Uncle, yeah. don't forget Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester, cousin <laughs> it. But you know what I mean? But yeah, why don't we, let's do that. Let's, yeah. let's, let's do that. Be specific wanna... and targeted, in other words. Exactly. This yeah. communion, as I approach and receive you, Lord, mm. I do this for the conversion of Uncle Fester, you know? Yeah. And for uh, and for as an act of reparation, which she's also asked over and over. Exactly. I offer this mass and this communion or this rosary. I'm fasting today. Yes. And I offer this in reparation. For yes. Sin. Yes. My, yes. Mine yes. and others. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. again, the disorder, the chaos, the sadness, the a lack of peace. And mm -hmm. I, I just want to pick up on what you said, uh, Doug, because I want to emphasize this. Listen, and maybe put our logo up right now of the United States Grace Force. But you can see in the logo it says per virtutum pax and that is peace through strength okay that's what our whole mission and patrick thank you so much for coming on because we wanted to have you on uh and i, I think a lot of our guests but i think especially you you are uh totally dedicated i can tell to get people out of disorder out of chaos and into peace and then and then you look and listen and teach then uh others how do we get there mm. how do we get to that peace you know and here's how you get strong okay you get strong yes that could even mean go lift weights like doug i, I do the two uh but um but it, it it it's it's also the resistance training that goes on in our lives we face yeah. challenges how yeah. well do we do that you know how how godly are we facing some of these challenges in our lives that's resistance training but to develop you know that that strong devotional prayer life uh that, that's what we're doing right now as we record right now it's uh monday the fifth and that's day one of the 50 40 rosary novena that's called united the foot of the cross but we are encouraging everybody to really work at really do it this time you know take this time to cultivate and get yourself strong in that best practices prayer life and let's take 54 days to do that anyway but patrick um uh, so, per virtutum pax, peace through strength. Okay, um, you know, I, I know you know that, but how would you uh, verbalize that in, in what you're dedicated to right now? How do we get to that peace? I think it for me, it's you know, looking at the crucifix behind me and Our Lady of Sorrows, and and I have that statue specifically. I've had that statue for many years. And when I just look at that strength that Mary can stand there and be, in a sense, uh, just so courageous and peaceful, even in serene, oh, even in the strong, yeah, yeah, even in the most, you know, the most bitter sufferings. Yeah. And I think that 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 there is the example for all of us that you know yes. we we may be standing at other people's calvaries too. You know, it's like you know whether it's our children or a, you know a coworker. And for us to ask our lady, like, let me be strong for them. Because uh, when they see our faith uh, through the midst of suffering, through, you know, all the anxieties of the world, and they just see, well, you're, you're like, what? there's something different about you. There's a serenity in the midst of suffering. I think that that draws more people to the faith, you know, when you can handle suffering well. And it's only through, you know, the grace of God. And that, But it's, it's looking to Our Lady of Sorrows. Um, to ask her to be strong at the foot of the cross. Well, and again, I know we're we're getting close to the end here, but I would I would really encourage the audience to take very very seriously 
what you've done with this book to get this book and, and really grow in a devotion to our Blessed Mother, especially through the rosary and through the seven sorrows, and especially because of what we're seeing in our world right now, and we're seeing things change, become more intense and more severe. And that's not doom and gloom talk. That is very realistic. Look at the signs of the times talk and the prophecies of our Blessed Mother. Last week, we had Father Chris Ilar on. He talked about a chapel in, I, I forget it's Philippines or somewhere where he was, that is filled with hundreds of statues and images that are weeping of Mary and Jesus, predominantly Mary. There's a reason why our Blessed Mother is weeping all over the world, because of where we are, the state of our souls, the state of the expression of violence and pain and disorder and, and all the turmoil that we don't have to have if we cooperate with grace and if we take yes. these steps to, as you always say, Father, you know, become strong in the mighty power of the Lord. I mean, it's yeah. there, but we have yeah. to choose to embrace it and take it. Yeah. So, um, you know, last question I have, Patrick, and, and, you know, before we wrap up here is what do you recommend, simply put, to parents out there? You're a young father and husband. What do you recommend to parents when it comes to, obviously, get this book, raise your kids, pray that rosary and so forth. But can you give just a tidbit of, of advice and encouragement to other husbands, fathers, even mothers and wives out there when it comes to the times that we're in and the need for us to get strong? Like Father says, peace through strength. What do we need to do to really get strong in a nutshell? Yeah, I, I think our children, they learn more from you know what we do than what we say. So you know, the greatest example is you know, you bring your kids to adoration, they see you and they see you receive the Eucharist, you know, you are madly in love with Jesus. You know, they don't, they don't see you like looking around who's at mass, but like your, your prayers, like, you know, and I was in, so inspired by the saints that I wrote a book on their parents called the parents of the saints. It's 500 pages, but there's two things that struck me. Um, and I, when I wrote that book was St. Teresa's father, like during mass, he would be in tears when he would listen to the homily and the readings. Like that's, and so that left a profound impression on St. Therese. The second thing was people came up to Maximilian Kolbe's mother, you know, after his martyrdom and they go, what did you do to raise a saint? Like, and, and she goes, I saw my inadequacy and I begged the mother of God to supply it for me. And so here we have a lady, That's you know, uh, Maximilian Kolbe's mother who had a great devotion to our lady. So these devotions, they hmm. get, you know, they get, they're passed on to our children, not by you know, obviously being drill sergeants, beating their head, but when they see that we, that we're just living it, we're, we're, we're on our knees, we're praying the rosary. We believe it. They see in our tears, they see it, you know, in our genuflect, our genuflections, you know, it's like my, my, my dad, my mom, they believe in the Eucharist. They love our lady. So that's what I would say to parents is just to live it, you know, and not to be afraid to, you know, to show it. Cause you guys, every parent is an icon, right? Of God, the father, the father's the icon of God, the father, mother icon of our lady. So mm. we need to start acting like that. That's great. I, I was blessed with two great parents. I'm thinking about them now as I'm listening, because that's amazing advice. <laughs> but uh, my, mom was a daily mass score, never missed. And uh, so she would, we'd see her in the pew when we went to mass at our Catholic school. And, uh, but she was a daily, and dad was very, very strong as faith. Uh, he, he loved the mass, but he had to do the company thing, but, and, and somebody had to stay home and feed the kids anyways. But, but, uh, he, here's what he did. He, he practically ran the parish because he was volunteered for everything. He coached every sport there was when I was growing up. I mean, you know, you need me up yep, here. I am. Yeah. And so, 
but uh, that's a strong faith and and uh, building community and uh, anyways. So yes, it, perfect advice. It's not what you say; it's what you do that impacts your children. So so be those strong, strong, strong um, Catholic people of faith, and your children are going to look on and they're going to keep that faith. And what are you giving them? You're giving them the gift of peace for the rest of their lives because they'll be locked in at the foot of the cross. Let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Amen. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's say yes to this. Let's open our hearts and say yes and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Patrick, phenomenal. Thank you so much. Thank you, Patrick. Okay.